listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome on in to episode number 108 and very excited to welcome for the very first time on the show one of the biggest guests we've ever had in the history of this podcast was so excited to be able to interview him over the last few days he's coming to the chicago area this coming weekend he is former wwe superstar zach gowan and he'll be appearing at second wrestling we talk about that show we talk about some of his wwe career some of the obstacles he's had to overcome in his life and so much more it's a great conversation and i cannot wait to share it with the audience this week all right in just a few moments we will take a spin around the wrestling world right here on windy city slam podcast stay tuned Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle, but what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. All right, welcome back to the show, and special thanks to our brand new sponsor for Windy City Slam Podcast, True Heights Treatment. They're local, they're willing to help. Thanks to George for coming aboard as a sponsor of Windy City Slam Podcast. Thank you very much, George. All right, before we get into the wrestling news for this week, I just want to reflect for just a moment 25 years ago this week, my father, Dan Pankow, passed away, and it was a heartbreaking moment for me. And even today, when I think about him, it it still breaks my heart, even though it's been 25 years. I mean, it it gets easier over time and over the years, but you never forget. And he's the main reason why I love professional wrestling. He got me involved in it. We started watching the programs on TV, WWF, NWA, AWA on ESPN, even the local company like Windy City Wrestling on local access on Sports Vision, the world-class championship wrestling with the Von Erichs. My, my dad really, really got me into it. He took me to a WWF house show for my 17th birthday back in 1992. Main event where that show was Ric Flair versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. And both of them were champions at that point. This was literally just about a week after that famous 1992 Royal Rumble, which is still my favorite Rumble of all time. And my dad took me to see those guys in action. It it was awesome. And I will never forget my dad. And I really appreciate him putting the passion of professional wrestling into my life. All right. um, Heading on to this weekend, we have AEW's Revolution 
big pay-per-view for AEW, Sunday, March the 6th in Orlando. On the top, we have the AEW Championship, the Battle of the Adams, Hangman Adam Page defends against Adam Cole, baby. Now, this is one I've been looking forward to for a while. I love both of these guys. I, I just can't pick a winner because I think no matter who wins this match, I think you'll be a great champion. I do think Page will retain for now and continue his reign as AEW champion. AEW Women's Champion Britt Baker takes on Thunder Rosa. This should be Britt's most daring challenge for that title. I could totally see Thunder Rosa coming out with the championship. Rosa is awesome. Obviously, I've met her a few times. She's also the Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion. This is going to be a terrific match. And speaking of terrific matches, they already brought me into the building for this one. It's a dog collar match between CM Punk and MJF. Now, Punk has vowed to make MJF bleed. I think we will see MJF bleed. Now, MJF's trying to play the sympathetic card, thinking Punk was a prick to him years ago with his little meet and greet. And I don't know. I mean, MJF is really manipulative, and that's why he's such a great heel. So I think Punk's still going to kick his ass, but it should be a fun match to see and a story to tell. Brian Danielson takes on John Moxley. That's going to be a lot of fun. They had history way back pre-WWE, about 10 to 15 years ago, and they fought like crazy in the independent scene. This should be really, really cool to see in 2022. Chris Jericho takes on Eddie Kingston. Then we have the AEW Tag Team Championship. Jurassic Express defending the titles against Red Dragon, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly against a third team to be determined, which should be really interesting. I have a feeling it might be the Young Bucks, and that should be determined this week on Dynamite. We'll see what happens there. TBS champion Jade Cargill will defend against Ty Conti. Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy will take on Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allin in a six-man tornado tag team match. And this is a match I'm really excited about, the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Some great people in this match. I love Keith Lee, obviously. I think he's going to win. But Wardlow's in it, too. Another awesome specimen and a really cool guy outside the ring. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks of Team Taz are in it. Plus, everybody's favorite, maybe not mine, but pretty much everybody else's favorite, Orange Cassidy. And then a sixth person to be determined. So this could be a wild card of sorts. You never know. Could it be Johnny Gargano? Could it be Claudio Castagnoli? It could be anybody at this point. It could be somebody already on the AEW roster. I guess we'll just have to wait and see and find out. So that's going to be a pretty cool show on Sunday. AEW Revolution. WWE notes. We're going to be watching to see when and if Cody Rhodes shows up and will he have a WrestleMania match. And also this Saturday night, March the 5th, Brock Lesnar defends the WWE Championship at Madison Square Garden. He will take on either Bobby Lashley or an opponent to be determined. Now, this is supposed to be Brock Lesnar's road bump set up by Paul Heyman to try to stop him from being a title-for-title match against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But I have a feeling, unless there's something totally surprising and ridiculous happening, Brock Lesnar still is the WWE Champion heading into Mania. Let's go local, shall we? 
POW Entertainment, and I was there in person in Bridgeview this past Saturday night for Winter Warfare, Bridgeview Park District. Let's run down the results. Mad Money Marco won the opening show battle royal, and he and Kazao were the last two in the ring, but Kazao was pulled out of the ring by an already eliminated Eric Freedom. So Mad Money Marco wins the match by default. And then we had Jamie Race defeating Nikki Vendetta. Marco Anthony invaded from SCW. Now he had a signed match against Kevin O'Reilly of IPA. And Marco pulled off the victory, then continued to beat down on Kevin O'Reilly until Medix O'Bannon came out and chased away Marco. And we would see more from Marco later on in the show, but stay tuned for that. POW Tag Team Champions. Revolution, Jimmy Blaze, and Eric Freedom with Windy City Wrestling legend Sandra D in their corner. They defeat Kazile and Tommy McCobb to retain the titles. But after the match, Kazile attacks Freedom with a fork and he bloodied Eric Freedom's head really, really good. It took like five minutes to clean up all the blood. It was kind of a crazy scene. And that is definitely going to continue on over the next few weeks. This rivalry between Revolution and Kazal and Macabre. B.O.W. with Nick H. in his corner defeats Meat Hooks O'Bannon via a countout. Now, this was kind of a strange little situation. Nick H. comes out with this cube of some sort, this mystical, magical cube that controls the power of B.O.W. Think Undertaker in the urn with Paul Bearer from years ago. And it gave B.O.W. this super strength. At one point, B.O.W. and Nick were leaving the ring saying, we've had it, you know, we've beat up Meat Hooks enough. We're just going to walk out on the match. Meat Hooks comes out after them. Nick tosses the cube into the hands of Meat Hooks. And, now, and all of a sudden, Meat Hooks like goes down and the cube is having this mystical effect on Meat Hooks. He can't move. He's on the ground writhing and... B.O.W. gets back in the ring, beats the 10 count. So B.O.W. wins the match via a countout. Really, really strange situation going on there between Meat Hooks and B.O.W. And now Axel Abrayo defeats Mike Idol with Roxy in his corner. So Roxy and Joey Roth's BMI do the split with Abrayo and Vendetta. We'll see more from those teams coming up next weekend. And then we had the POW Championship match in the main event. Scott Spade defeats Mateo Valentine as a result of a pinfall. But it was a little convoluted before that. Now, Tiny was in Scott's corner for the first part of the match. And in fact, Tiny just waffled Mateo Valentine, laid him out, referee saw it, disqualified Spade, and it appeared that Spade was just going to walk out with the DQ loss and retaining the title. But Commissioner Chris Hedford comes out, says, not this time. We're going to have a clear and decisive winner. I'm restarting the match. And then he ejects Tiny from the arena. So then it's one-on-one, no outside interference, Scott Spade and Mateo Valentine. It was a hell of a fight, a hell of a match, but Spade overcame Valentine and he earned the pinfall at the end of the day without any nefarious tactics. However, after the match, 
SCW's Marco Anthony rears his head again, comes out, jumps on Spade, puts the boots to him. Mateo Valentine, groggy, gets up, sees the beatdown in progress. And as a good person that Mateo is, he goes in and helps Scott Spade and proves that he's team pal through and through. And now I'm going to play some footage, courtesy of this past Saturday night at Winter Warfare of the post-match with Scott Spade and Matteo Valentine. See a lot of people come and go. See a lot of people that don't deserve to be in this business. But then I see people that don't deserve to be in this business. This is our third match back together. And you know me, I like a good fight. And you put up a good fight in all three of those matches. For these two of the most prestigious belts in the country. And what you just did right there told me that you're in a fight against SCW on a power side. That was a sign of respect by the 18-year veteran, Scott Spade, welcoming in Mateo Valentine after three hard-fought matches over the course of the past couple of months. And now it's kind of a little bit of a synergy with the POW locker room, and that should be a huge thing going into next weekend's POW event. Now let's turn to Freelance Underground's Breaking the Chains, and that was this past Saturday night, February the 26th, Church Street Brewing Company in Itasca. Going to run down these results real quick. Freelance Independent Championship main event match. Storm Grayson retains the title over Laney Locke. It was a hell of a fight. Laney showed some frustration, couldn't get the job done. And even after the match, it appeared that she was going to hand Storm the title. She did the old Charlotte Flair and just dropped it in front of Storm Grayson and stormed away with like a little baby with a temper tantrum. So maybe like in Zello Pro, we're seeing Laney Luck kind of turn to the dark side in Freelance Underground. Stay tuned for that. Sky Blue pulls off an amazing victory over former Freelance Underground champion GPA. And now the academic standard is now in a slump in Freelance Underground since being squashed by Calvin Tankman this past October at final phase. Huge win for Sky Blue, and now GPA will be regrouping in Freelance Underground. Freelance Underground Tag Team Championship, the Brothers of Funstruction with Frank the Clown in their corner, they defeat the Philly Marino Experience. Project Monix defeats Aaron Payne in the Project Monix Open Challenge. Then Matt Nix scores the victory over Chico Suave 
and that earns Matt Nix the right at a future match, a rematch with Project Monix very, very soon. Cole Radrick defeated one half of Pick and Pop, Coda Hernandez. In tag team action, Torero and Manny Cortez defeated the Bitcoin Boys from AIW in Cleveland. And J.J. Garrett defeats August Matthews. And if you missed Freelance Underground Breaking the Change, that is now available on IWTV On Demand. This past weekend, last Saturday night, crash-tested wrestling flatline. The fallout of that show, including Steve Arendt, is now the new general manager of CTW. That should be pretty interesting going forward to see what Steve Arendt does over a crash-tested wrestling. This past Saturday night, we had GLCW's Release the Titan at Circle B Recreation up in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. That's David Hero's promotion. And he brought in a special guest, the Titan himself, Adam Scherer, formerly known as Braun Strowman in WWE. And here are the quick results of the card. And this is courtesy of Jordan Cross. And again, we thank Jordan Cross for all his help and assistance over the past few months with Windy City Slam. We really appreciate it. Eric Darkstorm defeats one-man dynasty Darius Luttrell. TW3 gets the victory over JT Funk. OVW national champion Jesse Goddard defeats Joey the Jet Avalon. Sierra goes over on Hollywood Haley J. Tony Gunn knocks off Jordan Cross. And in the main event, Luscious Lawrence, Dustin Jackson, and Mahabali Shira, they defeat Ryan Cross and Jeff Luxon as well as GLCW champion Backwoods Brown in a six-man tag team match. And they had a little bit of help from Adam Scher as well. And if you check out Dr. Jeff Luxon's Instagram and social media, you will see poor Jeff being hoisted up into the ceiling of Circle B by Adam Scher, the monster himself. And there are a few ceiling tiles that took a hit over in Cedarburg and, um, David Hero is probably uh, paying a couple of extra bucks to get those fixed afterward. But fun show up at GLCW. The former Braun Strowman was the man that night. Also this past weekend, we had Zello Pros level up. And that was Turner Hall Ballroom in Milwaukee. And and I have results for this show, but I'm not going to get too specific because out of respect for the Zello Pro management, Matt and D-Ray, I'm going to go ahead and not spoil the actual results, but promote. This coming Sunday, March the 6th on Fight TV, you will be able to see Zello Pros level up, and you'll see Blake Christian against Project Monix. You'll see GPA as the Zello Pro champion against a surprise opponent. You'll want to see that. That, uh, that was very cool. Laney Luck defending the Zello Pro Women's Championship against Kylie Ray. And then the Battle of the Big Men, Big John Crowley and Bitter City Bruiser got a little interesting after the two guys kind of fought a little bit. It kind of evolved into something a little bit bigger, but I I won't spoil it. Check it out Sunday on Fight TV, Zello Pros Level Up. Heading into next weekend, another huge wrestling weekend around the Chicago area. First off, Thursday night, March the 3rd, Freelance Wrestling presents Flawless Victory at the Emporium Arcade Bar in Logan Square in Chicago. 
the only match announced so far, and we're going to mention this real quick, Project Monix and Pick and Pop, Darius Luttrell and Coda Hernandez, take on the Bang Bros of Davey Bang and August Matthews and Xavier Sky. Plus, you'll see GPA, Storm Grayson, Kylie Ray, Laney Luck, Blair Onyx, Acid Jazz, and more. So check that out. It'll be a very intimate setting. Limited tickets available, so hurry up and get those tickets while you can. This Saturday night, as we talked about a few weeks ago with our special guests, Coda Holiday and Jax Johnson, check out that show if you haven't already. It's NLS is for everyone. Saturday night, March the 5th, Berwyn Eagles Club. Bell time, 6 o'clock. Doors open at 5. Matches include All Day Marche Rocket versus Chicago native Don't Die Miles, who will be wrestling for the first time in the Chicago area. So that's going to be very, very exciting. We have Saban Gage against Anthony Henry. Coda Holiday versus Ziggy Haim. Jax Johnson versus Acid Jazz. Ice Pig Vic Capri versus Doom Montgomery. Davey Bang is now the new opponent for Cameron Saturn. For the Enjoy Championship, the Dad Bod Demigod, Joey Mayberry, takes on MV Young. Triple Threat Match, Mateo Valentine versus Russell Rogue versus Aesop Mitchell. Four-Way Tag Match with CNC Destruction, Alpha Zeta Zeta, the Von Engelins, and Adam Stallion and Kid Bandit. Five-Man Scramble, we have Axel Rico. Mario Pardua, Angelo Carter, Chongo, and Lobo Okami. And also the hard-hitting Gary J takes on Eric Schultz. Also this Saturday night, POW Entertainment comes back to Rumpoles at Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. We have POW versus SCW in a tag team main event. Noise, booze, and tattoos. That's Scott Spade and Rough Crossing with Tiny in their corner. They take on Max Holiday and sharpshooter James Creed with Hunter Payne in their corner. So they represent SCW in a tag team war. And for the POW Tag Team Championship, Revolution has a rematch with Kazile and Tommy McCobb. Then we have Joy the Pitbull Chi-Chi versus Paulie Tomaselli. And in another rematch, B.O.W. with Nick H. takes on Meat Hooks O'Bannon. And in yet another rematch, we have Kevin O'Reilly against Marco Anthony of SCW. And the winner gets a tag team title match in the future with these three teams in a triple threat match. Bad Hombre Cartel goes against Nikki Vendetta and Axel Abrayo against BMI, Jamie Race and Mike Idol with Joey Roth and Roxy in their corner. And finally, second wrestling. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a few moments with Zach Gowan. But second wrestling's flood zone, Sunday, March the 6th, Bernard Wenger JCC in Northbrook. Doors at 1 p.m., bell time at 2. Still tickets available for this great event. Special guest appearance by none other than WWE Hall of Famer, the Birdman, Coco Beware. Plus, we have the semifinals of the second wrestling championship tournament. Dak Draper takes on Eric Cannon, and Billy Starks faces Riley Jackson. Plus, you will see Zach Gowan, Laney Luck, Darren Corbin, P. 
Pick and Pop, Blair Onyx, Cold Stone, Tim Boston, Minnesota Wrecking Zoo 2.0, and more. And this is just for me. You might even see Trevor Outlaw running around somewhere as he's been a correspondent for a second while he recovers from his knee surgery. So we'll see if maybe Trevor gets a word or two in edgewise this Sunday at Second Wrestling. All right, that's a lot of wrestling talk. And we have coming up in mere moments, our special guest, former WWE superstar, Zach Gowan. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam podcast this week. So very, very excited to have for the very first time on our show, this special guest. He's headlining Second Wrestling's Flood Zone on Sunday, March the 6th in Northbrook. He shared a ring with titans such as John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Vince McMahon. For the first time on Windy City Slam podcast, I'm very excited to welcome former WWE superstar, Zach Gowan. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So coming to Chicago on Sunday, March the 6th for Second Wrestling. Now, is this the first time you've been in Chicago in a while? Yeah, I think the last time I wrestled in Chicago was for freelance wrestling um, at the uh, Logan Square Auditorium, I believe, and this, uh, yes. which is a beautiful venue for professional wrestling. And Chicago has some of the best fans in the world. Uh, really bar none, you know, uh, some of the most enthusiastic and vocal fans, you know, and as a performer, like we feed off that energy. So going to towns like Chicago or Toronto or even Milwaukee um, to feel that kind of energy is always a treat, man, as a professional wrestler. But yeah, so that was back in maybe 2018 or 19 or something like that. So it's been a, it's been a number of years. I'm looking forward to getting back to Chicago for sure. Yeah, and you've also wrestled at, for AAW over at the old Berwyn Eagles Club as well, from what I think. <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. I'm a former AAW tag team champ with my man Crotch. Oh, wow. Shout out to Crotch, Chicago legend, man, Chicago's own. Uh, that had to have been back in like 2007, dude. You're going in the Wayback Machine <laughs> with that, man. I'm talking, who is there, man? You got Tyler Black, Merrick Brave, mm-hmm. the Michigan Invasion um keith walker robert anthony all those wow. dudes man you know like like i said man chicago's always had a really healthy scene uh when it comes to professional wrestling and it's something that i've always appreciated very much all right so we're gonna talk a little bit about second wrestling's flood zone that's sunday march the 6th at the bernard Wanger jcc that's 300 revere drive in northbrook illinois that's north suburbs of chicago Doors at one, bell time at two. Special guest appearance by none other than Zach Gowan, as well as a special guest appearance by the WWE Hall of Famer, Birdman, Coco Beware, which was just announced within the last few days. Very excited about that. Plus, we're going to see 
the semifinals of the second wrestling championship tournament, Dak Draper versus Eric Cannon and up and coming young Billy Starks against Riley Jackson. So how did the arrangement with second wrestling come to be? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I met the uh, promoter, Jeremy, uh, Rabbi Jeremy, um, maybe last year he reached out maybe through Eric Cannon, something like that. Just how anything comes out in life is through relationships, you know, and it's through, you know, pe people that, you know, and, and grow to know and grow to trust. And, uh, oh, I was on Rabbi Jeremy's podcast. I think that's probably what, probably what started this whole thing, uh, that led me to him booking me for, uh, for his wrestling show, which is something, you know, that I've gotten to know uh from him over the past year or so since knowing him stand-up guy professional mm -hmm. you know and listen man as i get older i turn down a lot of bookings simply based off of man i'm not really sure this guy or this gal knows you know what they're doing to the extent of of what needs to be done in order to run a successful wrestling promotion and so it's not really worth my time as a you know as a father of three and uh, I have a full-time commitment in other areas of my life that for, for me just to go out and, and wrestle, I've, I've been doing this thing for 20 years now. Yeah. I've wrestled everywhere. <laughs> you know, I've been hopping on one leg for 30 years. It's like, I, I can't really give my body away to everybody who asks. And so, so it's important for me to build that trust, especially with the promoter, um, before saying yes to an event. Uh, such as what such as what we're doing in in Chicago uh, on May sixth, March sixth. <laughs> May did I say May sixth? Yes, brother, it's it's eight o'clock Eastern time. You know what I mean? I've been up with I've been up since six a.m. with the baby. Oh yeah. Uh, I have the, the two other children, my wife, of course. All of the duties. This is this is like this is like once once the kids go to bed, this is where my brain shuts off, whether I want it to or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I apologize. Yeah, March 6th uh, in Chicago for second wrestling. Not a problem at all. Totally understandable. So yours is a very inspirational story. Uh, you lost your left leg at due to cancer at the age of eight. And now that when something like that happens to a child, you tend to grow up a lot faster. And then you kind of lose that childhood innocence. So what was that experience like for you growing up, going through the years? Uh, well, it was challenging and it was traumatic, you know. Um, I, I knew that I was, I was really sick and I knew that I, I spent a, a, a year of my life um, in a hospital bed. Uh, I knew I was in a lot of pain uh, specifically uh, from the amputation of my left leg. And uh, I knew once they let me out that I didn't really feel, I didn't feel like I really fit in anywhere. You know, I couldn't run uh, and keep up with my friends playing sports uh, I felt defective in a lot of ways. I felt different, you know, than, than, than most of the other children. And that, that, that part, that that's the part that kind of lingers for a long time mm -hmm. or that, you know, gets ingrained in your psyche. Uh, but luckily for me, I had, I had one escape and that was my love of, of all things, professional wrestling. You know, when I, when I tapped into the magic of professional wrestling, I didn't feel the inadequacies, uh, that, that I was in at that moment, all of that went away. The anger I had towards my father for not being there, that went away. 
the, the, the pain that I felt from having cancer, from losing my leg, from not really fitting in all of that went away as well. And so that that's really cemented my love of professional wrestling. And, uh, luckily for me, that love really starting at eight years old, um, kept growing and growing and growing and evolving as time went on. And I'm still in love with the business of professional wrestling, just as much as I was when I was eight years old, you know, most, most kids kind of grow out of wrestling at a certain point, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not me or you, Mike, we didn't, (laughs) you know, like, you know, like when 14, 15, 16 years old, kind of rolls around and then all of a sudden there's other interests, you know, like there's girls and then there's going out to the movies and there's parties and all of that. I didn't have any of that. And so maybe if I got the attention from the girls in high school or something that would kind of diminish my love of professional wrestling, but I didn't get any attention. So my love of wrestling kind of grew. And then that love turned into a passion, which turned into an obsession. Um, And so you know, at 18 years old, when I, when I had the opportunity to actually get in inside of a wrestling ring for the first time, oh my God, that was life-changing, you know? And I remember the, the feeling that I felt when I stepped foot, pardon the pun, um, in a wrestling ring for the very first time. And I still get that feeling every time I go out um, in front of a crowd and, and perform. And that was uh, Truth Martini that trained you at 18. Yes, I was Truth Martini's first student. Wow. So this, this would have been, june of 2001 or something like that yeah it had to be because i graduated high school and like two weeks after i graduated in june i started training to be a wrestler um and now he is he's got like the best professional wrestling school in the midwest uh by my by my estimates so um so he's doing well for himself and yeah i i owe a lot of my success to truth martini uh because i i don't know how many our wrestling trainers upon seeing me for the first time hop into a, a, a wrestling school would have been like, Hey, come on in. You can do it, man. You know, I I'd be willing to bet that most of them would have, would have politely told me to uh, go kick rocks, you know, somewhere else. And so, um, so I'm great. I'm always grateful for truth, for giving me that opportunity and having the foresight of seeing that there might be something there. Now with truth, Martini, starting your career there, you kind of had the rocket ship tied to you about within a year or so you are in WWE on SmackDown. It's really, really crazy how quickly you ascended to the big time. Now what caught WWE's attention uh, when, when they were scouting you? Yeah, it was insane. They, they didn't scout me. In fact, they signed the wrong one-legged guy. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Only in professional wrestling. Um, they, they were motivated to sign me because TNA was trying to sign me. Um, and so I had, I had an opportunity with TNA, um, and, uh, uh, it, it, it all stemmed from a dark match from a tryout match that I, that I had with TNA literally like six months into my wrestling career, which is something that would never, ever happen nowadays, you know? And, um, and like the, the buzz from this dark match just like traveled throughout the industry and then the wrestling industry isn't very big, you know, like when I was breaking in, I thought it was massive. You know, I thought there's no way I'd ever be able to interact with any of my heroes. Um, but no, word traveled really, really fast. And, and from the buzz of this dark match, this tryout match that, that I had with TNA that caught uh, WWE's interest. And uh, they called me up and offered me a contract 
based sight unseen, just based off the of, of the just the only knowledge they had was there's a guy, he's got one leg, and he had a really, really good match. Um, and TNA is interested in signing him. So that's all the information they had. And then uh, they offered me a contract just based off that. Who was that offering you the deal at the time? Was it Jim Ross or John Laurinaitis or someone like John that? John Laurinaitis called me, um, which is mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, it was, it was like a cold January Saturday morning, you know. Like, I, I'm in my pajamas, the ones with the um, zipper that go all the way to the top, you know. Like, I'm, I'm literally 19 years old wearing a onesie pajamas, eating a bowl of Lucky Charms, but just the marshmallows. You know, and I'm watching cartoons and my phone rings and it's the head of talent relations from WWE offering me a contract. It felt like a dream. It was insane. Um, and so I, uh, I I thanked him uh, and I told him that I was going to give uh, Jeff Jarrett a call because I felt uh, obligated to 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 at least loop Jeff in and give them an opportunity to match what the numbers WWE was, what they were talking about, because uh, Jeff Jarrett and his, and his father gave me the, the opportunity to, you know, to, to, to get to, to, to be in the position to get a contract from WWE. So I called Jeff and uh, I, I ran it by him. And he said, Zach, he goes, I, we can't match that, 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 that offer. Uh, I implore you to stay here with TNA and we'll protect you and we'll build around you and you'll be part of this company that's up and coming. Um, and he goes, my, my biggest fear for you, Zach, is for you to get uh, chewed up and spit out by WWE. And, uh, and so I took that in consideration and ultimately, as you know, I signed with WWE, but, uh, but oftentimes I, I wonder what if, what if I signed with lesser money with TNA um, and because uh, I already had a relationship with them and they, they knew what they had. And I, I wonder how that would have played out, but um, it's just kind of interesting to think about alternative history, so to speak. Yeah. Maybe was it something, maybe you got up to the heights a little too quickly for your own good or whatever. Is that oh, in WWE for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was way too much too fast. I, I couldn't, I was so like immature doesn't even begin to describe it in terms of my maturity as a performer, as a professional wrestler, uh, as a businessman and as a human being, because <laughs> I'm literally 19 years old. And, uh, what I, 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 I wasn't ready to, uh, accept the gravity of the gift that was being offered to me. Um, and I can say that, you know, in retrospect, but in the moment, I, I did what I thought was the right thing to do. Um, and I still have zero regret signing. Like, like the last thing I want to do is come off as like, oh, man, they signed me too fast. I, I don't want to be complaining that I got an opportunity to work with Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Vince McMahon and John Cena and The Big Show and Matt Hardy and all of my heroes. Uh, I don't want to sound ungrateful at all. But uh, but you're absolutely right. It was way too much too soon uh, for me to fully appreciate the gift that was being handed to me. No question. You ended up only staying for not even a year, right? From what I saw. Right. I signed a three-year contract. And I think when they uh, released me of my contract, I had been under contract for 
uh, a little over a year. However, in terms of me being on television, I was only, I was only on television for about six or seven months, something like that. Now I actually watched doing some research over the last couple of days. I watched your match with John Cena from 2003 on SmackDown. And I was just blown away by the great psychology and story the match told. You were obviously the underdog and Cena was this brash, cocky muscle head. He's totally full on thugonomic Cena at that point. It was just a great story. Well laid out match. Now, what do you remember about being in the ring with John? I remember how hard he hit. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> like how big and strong he was, you know, like some guys you run like, and obviously at that time in WWE, everybody was bigger than me, you know? Um, but so, some guys just in their mechanics and the way they, uh, their timing, they, they can make it look ex- extremely devastating without actually like knocking my head off. Uh, but John Cena wasn't that. <laughs> At that time, he was just—he was just brutal, just big and strong, and you felt every, every, every pound of it, you know. Um, but I—I I loved like at that time, John was starting to get hot, so he was like you said, doing this basic thugonomics, coming out and rapping, like he was even at the house shows getting like some superstar reactions. And everyone kind of knew in the locker room and just meeting John. John first of all, John's, I, I believe, the greatest of all time. Uh, I put him ab- above Hogan, above Flair, above Steve Austin, above The Rock. He's my number one because the, the amount of success that he's had um, over the number of years, thinking about like how many weekly television shows WWE has, like uh, how, how overexposed they are as, as, as opposed to what they were in the 90s or in the 80s. You know, when when I you could argue it's easier to be on top if there's only four pay-per-views a year. Mm-hmm. Like you could you could I, I could make that argument. And for him for him to be the man since 2005, um, and to me, I I think like it takes a really special talent. And so I love John Cena. I also love all the work he does with the Make a Wish Foundation. Uh he's granted more wishes than anybody else in history, you know, and uh and, and he's, he's a superhuman man. He's, he's incredible, but wrestling him. So at that time, like he's one of those guys who would walk into the locker room and he had already just had a certain aura or a charisma about him where, where you think to yourself, Oh man, that guy's the man. Even before he was the man, mm-hmm. like you would think like this, this dude's the man, you know? And, and so everybody could see it really before it happened. Uh, and so I'm super happy for all of his, all of his success. And I'm, I'm really proud of that match too, you know, because at that time we were me. And when I say we, I mean, me and WWE, we were figuring out like, how's this going to work? How, how are we going to have a one-legged kid who weighs 150 pounds and put put him on television in these competitive scenarios with these superstar athletes who are all able-bodied, mm-hmm. you know? Um, now I could go out there and, and not even think about it and put together a match that would make sense, tell a great story and wouldn't make the other guy look bad. However, there was no template when I started out, when I started wrestling back in you know 2003. And so we were trying to figure it out on the fly, literally in front of the world. And so I credit a lot of credit goes to, uh, the producers at the time and Michael PS Hayes, um, who else is there? I think, I think. Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson helping out as well. And, you know, as well as the talent that I was, that I was wrestling with is, you know, 
guys who have been around for a long time, but, but yeah, it was, it dude, it was a total experiment like being played out live in front of millions every week. And uh, so I, I appreciate those kind words. And there are some matches like the one I had with Cena where I look back and I'm like, wow, like you said, man, like that was, that was pretty good. Yeah. And another man that you wrestled or should I say beast you wrestled was Brock Lesnar in your hometown at Joe Louis arena in Detroit. And he just destroyed you. He was getting set for a big match against Kurt Angle and your mom was in the front row and she was totally selling the feet down. And it was an amazing, amazing moment. And like, Oh my God, poor Zach, poor Zach. What's going on with Zach? Uh, So how, how did you feel about that whole little thing there with Brock? I loved it because we, we didn't know we were doing that until the day of. I was supposed to wrestle Matt Hardy that day. And then the morning of, Bruce Pritchard called me up and asked if my mom was available. And like they told me the plans have changed and they have this whole idea with me and Brock. And I got really, really excited because I knew that we could go out there and do something special, something spectacular, something memorable. You know, nobody wants to be the third match on a card that's forgotten about 15 minutes after it happens. As a wrestler, you want to go out there and you want to make an impact and you want to make a lasting impression and you want to make memories, you know? One of my biggest like memories that just lasered into my brain is when uh, John Tenta debuted as Earthquake mm-hmm. in WWF with the push-up contest between Dino Bravo and the Ultimate Warrior. And he came oh. out as Big John, the fan, and he walked to the ring and it was all this elaborate ruse and set up to beat down the ultimate warrior. And like, I'll remember that on my deathbed. Like there are certain things that like, well, I'll never forget. And, you know, 20 years later, I still get asked to this day about the match with Brock Lesnar or about when he threw me down the flight of stairs when I was in a wheelchair, you know? And it's like that, how cool is that, that I was able to be a part of something that would, you know, created a memory for someone that lasts forever that people will still talk about even after I'm gone, you know, hopefully not anytime soon, but, but it, 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 it feels really nice. And I'm grateful to be a part of something that special, but, uh, but in terms of the actual match, man, it was, I mean, I will say this Brock Lesnar took care of me. It could have been a lot worse. And if it wasn't for Brock Lesnar's uh, professionalism, then the, the, I, I, I could have seriously been injured in that. There's no question about it. And so I credit all credit goes to Brock for keeping me safe. And uh, I love that man. And I'm his biggest fan. As weird as that, as weird as that may sound, Zach Allen is Brock Lesnar's biggest fan. And I have been for a long time. Yeah. One thing that kind of stuck with me uh, watching the very tail end of the beatdown, you getting put loaded up on the stretcher. Your mom jumps the guardrail. She's walking with the paramedics back to the back. And then Brock comes up and tries to dump you. It starts dumping you. Your mom just unleashes a chop on him. If you actually look at it real close, I just thought it was hilarious. And Brock totally no sold it, of course. But man, your mom is really into it there. Yeah. It, it, the, the credit goes to my mom, too. That was not in the script at all. That was just strictly uh improv on her part in the moment you know like believing it and just like how would a mother react to this situation and she nailed it my mom was great she's a natural it was terrific yes thank you yeah and of course you were in wwe you had the spotlight on you you had some of those great matches and moments with some of the big superstars but there was also kind of like a a darker side of, of your time there and you had some some issues while you were there as well. Could you walk me through what happened in your 
personal life and how you kind of rebounded from that? Yeah, for sure. Well, it goes back to my immaturity and my inability to um, handle the responsibility of being a WWE superstar and everything that comes with that, you know? And so I, I wasn't able to conduct myself as a professional uh, in terms of my attitude, in terms of like how I acted out in public, not showing up on time to certain events, showing up under the influence to other events, you know, like I was a 19 year old kid thinking that he was a, a rock star. And I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a TV star. I'm supposed to go out and trash hotel rooms and stuff like that <laughs> when you're really not <laughs> like you're supposed to conduct yourself as a professional and make it to the next town and make sure, you know, show up to work on time and make sure your opponent's safe. You know, that's kind of what you're supposed to do as a WWE superstar. But I didn't I didn't have the maturity level to conduct myself that way. And over a period of time, I rubbed um, a lot of the locker room the wrong way. And I rubbed the office the wrong way as well. And at a certain point, they said to themselves, hey, man, the juice ain't worth the squeeze when it comes to Zach Gowan, you know, so we're going to have to let him go. And that's what happened. They, they let they, they released me from my contract uh, about a year in. So how did you get yourself out of that? Oh, well, I mean, after I was released, man, like I. I, I was lost for a long time. There's no question about it because my, my, like, you have to understand my whole life was geared toward being Zach Gowan, WWE superstar. Mm -hmm. Like that's was my entire identity. And then when you take away the WWE superstar title, then who is Zach Gowan? And that question I couldn't answer when I was 21 years old, I had no idea. And so I, I mean, I looked for an answer in, in, in the bottom of, of, of uh, liquor bottles and prescription pill bottles and, um, you know, a lifestyle that was quite destructive and painful for not only for me, but for the people who love me and the people who, who were around me and supported me for a long time. And it was just a, a number of years of self-destruction to the point where I finally got to a point where I just said, you know what? I, I threw my hands up and I said, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I'm not able to, I'm not able to manage my own life. I can't, I can't control this, 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 this demon and this obsession that I have to use drugs and to drink. I, I and, and I, I don't know what to do. And I finally asked for help, which was the most important thing I could have done at that time, you know? And, and it's, it's amazing what happens. And this is, this is one of the messages that I get to carry to over, you know, a hundred thousand students across the country as a, as a youth engagement speaker, which is my, my main career right now mm -hmm. is like how important it is to ask for help when we find ourselves in a situation where it feels hopeless, where there, we feel like there's no way out and like what that first domino can do and what it can mean. When you say I'm scared, I don't know what to do and I need help, you know, and that's what happened to me at, you know, 26 years old. I asked that question and here I am now at, at 38 years old, sober for 12 years, married, father of three, tax paying, amputee, mountain climbing, American Ninja Warrior, still professional wrestling, one of the country's best most sought after uh youth engagement speakers like and, and and i'm a member of my community and i get to serve my community on a daily basis man like life life couldn't 
life is so good right now. It, it's kind of unbelievable. I, I wake up every day and I pinch myself like, how did I luck into this? Man? I don't deserve this, you know, uh, but I'll enjoy it while it's here. And so that's kind of the attitude that I have on a daily basis. That's a really awesome comeback story. And thank you. You've been wrestling on and off for about 20 years now, as we touched upon earlier. You've been hitting independence all over, including the Midwest, and you even had some tours of Japan. So obviously there's still a big time passion for doing what you do in the ring. I, I love it. Well, everything that I do, I, I, I don't look, I'm also a, a DDP yoga instructor. I'm the only amputee DDP yoga instructor. And I don't look, I don't separate teaching a, a DDP yoga class versus, you know, uh, giving a presentation in front of 5,000 16 year olds or getting, you know, doing a backflip off the top rope in a wrestling ring. It, it's all the same to me, which is it's a, each one of these endeavors gives me a platform to carry a message, to share my story and to hopefully impact somebody in a positive way. And so when I first started wrestling, I wanted to wrestle for selfish reasons, right? I wanted to wrestle because I loved wrestling. When I was in a wrestling ring, it felt really, really good. And I wanted to feel good all the time. And so now through this evolution of my life, I guess, that is transformed into, I don't wrestle because it makes me feel good when I wrestle. I wrestle because I'm given an opportunity to reach somebody and to make a positive impact in their lives by sharing my story, whether it's, you know, using my body as a wrestler or it's through fitness with DDP yoga, or it's through sharing my testimony or my message with a bunch of students mm -hmm. uh, using my words and my storytelling ability. To me, it's all the same. Uh, so the, the, the love of professional wrestling is still there. It's just different and it's evolved from where it started. Now, how did you get hooked up with DDP yoga and Diamond Dallas Page? I don't even know, man. <laughs> I say this all, I, I tell people I'm the one-legged Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? I'm not that bright, but like I found myself in some insane uh, situations throughout my life, you know? And uh, how, how I got hooked up with that? Well, I ran into DDP yoga or I ran into, into Dallas at a wrestling show, independent wrestling show in New Jersey. This had to be back in like 15, 2015. And uh, I wanted to, to, I met him briefly once before in TNA, but this time he had just started DDP yoga and these stories were coming out about how he was helping Scott Hall mm -hmm. and he was helping Mick Foley and he was helping Jake the snake and all of that. And he started finding this success outside of wrestling, which at the time was very inspirational to me. So I wanted to express that to him. So I walked up to Dallas and I said, Hey Dallas, my name is Zach Gowan. Uh, uh, wrestle on one leg formerly wwe i'm a huge fan of yours um not only in the ring but i want to thank you for inspiring me for being successful outside of the ring because that's something that i want to do too and then he kind of ignored every word i said <laughs> and he just looked at me and he grabbed my shoulders and looked deep into my eyes and then said he said bro we got to get you doing the workouts <laughs> and i'm like all right <laughs> like in my head, I'm thinking, you're not getting my one-legged ass on a yoga mat. That's <laughs> number one. And <laughs> But my words were, um, that would be awesome. I'd love to do it. You know, <laughs> I've, I've learned it's not so much what I think, but it's about what I say and what I do that really matters. And literally like three days later, the entire DDP yoga workout 
and yoga mat and cookbook and instruction book shows up on my doorstep <laughs> for free, you know? And I'm thinking, damn, now I have to do it because now, <laughs> and now I feel a responsibility that he went out of his way. Right. And he, for free, took money out of his own pocket in a, in a weird way, invested in me, you know, and that's how I, that's how I saw it. So I felt an obligation to do the workouts and I started doing them and uh, I fell in love with the program. And after like 13 weeks, like all the pain in my body went away. And, uh, I, but more importantly, I was moving around the ring. Like I was 18 years old again, man. It was like literally the fountain of youth, you know? And so that started my path with DDP yoga. And I've, I've been its biggest advocate and biggest fan ever since. All right. So Zach Gowan is going to be at second wrestling and that's in Northbrook, Illinois, Sunday, March the 6th matinee show doors at one bell time at two. Also in attendance, the Birdman Coco beware for meet and greet. We have the semifinals of the tournament with Dak Draper versus Eric Cannon and Billy Starks versus Riley Jackson. Plus some of the other announced talent includes Lady Luck, Darren Corbin, Pick and Pop of Darius Luttrell and Coder Hernandez, Blair Onyx, Cold Stone Tim Boston, and the Minnesota Wrecking Zoo 2.0. And Zach Gowan will be right in the middle of it all up at the Bernard Weinger JCC up in Northbrook. So real quick, before we let you go, um, so if people have not seen a Zach Gowan match, what do you tell them to, to expect from Zach Gowan? Well, here's what I say. They, they know that I'm an amputee, but they always get surprised when I tell them that I take my leg off when I wrestle and I hop around the ring like a pogo stick. It's <laughs> like, what? And the reason for that is I've had one leg since I was eight years old. And this is what I'm used to. And uh, this is where I feel most natural and I can move around and I'm athletic and I'm more agile without my leg on, especially in the confined space of a wrestling ring. And so uh, I tell them the leg comes off so that they don't get too shocked when they see, when they see me come around, come out and they start hopping all over the ring, you know, but what, what they can expect is um, what, what, what I love and what I, what I hold close is that professional wrestling is the ultimate variety show. Like every match ideally should be a little bit different from the match before and matches should build on each other in, in, in terms of the entire show. And uh, I provide something a little bit different that nobody else can provide. And uh, so be prepared, man. Some people um, really get into what I do and I appreciate all the support and all the love, especially for 20 years, which isn't bad for someone who said that they didn't have a long shelf life in professional wrestling. You know, the fact that I'm, I'm still here and I'm, I'm still uh, doing what I love, but more importantly, I'm doing it at a high level. Like that's, that's what really blows people away. Sometimes they're like, man, I liked you when I was a kid, but like in person, you're so much better. You know, that's my favorite compliment you can give me. If you see me at a show, um, I love to hear that, but yeah, just expect a wild show and something completely different than you've ever seen before. Really. And before we let you go now, um, Go ahead and plug your social media, whatever merchandise you have. I know you have a book, so go ahead and plug that as well. And whatever upcoming events that you have. Yeah, you got it. Uh, High Risk Maneuvers is, is the name of the book. It can be found on, found on Amazon and social media. It's all at Zach Gowan. I'm going to have merchandise at the Chicago show for the first time. Uh, I'm going to have an old design uh, on a t-shirt, a fan favorite, but I'm also, I have a brand new design. Uh, for a t-shirt that I ripped off of the Kirkland brand from Costco. 
Okay. Listen, I, I'm I'm the king of the burbs. You know what I mean? Like I hold my Costco membership near and dear to my heart. I uh, I was at Costco today, as a matter of fact, and uh, Kirkland came out with this insane, like this gray shirt with with their logo across. And I'm like, I have to make that into a Zach Gowan shirt. So I'll debut that at the uh, at the Chicago show March 6th. Uh, second wrestling but yeah social media website zachgowan.com it's all there uh, if you have any questions feel free to reach out send me a message dms are open and i'd be happy to uh to reply if i can help you zach thank you so much for, for your candor and for sharing your great story and thank you for being on windy city slam podcast you got it mike and i'll see you march 6th All right. I really enjoyed my time with Zach Gowan. It was an incredible conversation. He was very open and honest. He had great candor. Uh, He had a lot of great stories to tell about his career in WWE and some of the struggles that he had to endure. And now he's got a great family life going on. He's an inspirational speaker. He's a life coach. Awesome to talk to Zach. And good luck to him this weekend at Second Wrestling. I can't wait to see him in person as Windy City Slam will be there in Northbrook covering the event. All right. Next week, we will talk local and national wrestling. Plus, we're going to try it again with this veteran of Chicagoland wrestling. Our guest next week, after he had to cancel a few weeks ago, Very, very excited to bring in a two-decade veteran in the business, long stints in several local promotions. He's the epitome of masculinity, the underwear model, Eric Priest. So join us right here next week on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.